Hello, this is Janet Gallen welcoming you to Love Letters Live. Today's guest is Rob Karlovich, and Rob does something so interesting. And would you, Rob, would you just start right in for us and tell us what it is you do? And did you invent this? Yeah, I, um, I'm an inventor and I invented a device that uh, I, uh, we've had thousands of people have uh, a really great experience with uh, a new type of walking assistance device. So it's about uh, helping people uh, get back on their feet, confident and comfortable standing and being active. You know, I get I get the feeling from the few emails that we have had that you are a person who just really loves helping people. Well, I, I grew there's up in a, an environment. There's a kindness in your face that is inescapable. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, I, you know, my I had really great uh, examples in my life. Uh, in particular, my mother uh, was a in wonderful example to grow up with, who uh, uh, thought everybody uh, had something good in them and had great potential uh, and really worked tirelessly to uh, help people become um, all that they could be, I guess you could say. And Can you give us some accounting. examples of how she got that over to you? I'm really interested in lessons that we've learned from anybody really, but parents in particular. Well, I was uh, seventh of nine children, so was my mother. So I think probably both had a experience growing up where we, we both had really great examples of, uh, first of all, helping people in the family, you know, and then uh, the extended family, and then whoever happened to, we happened to, she happened to encounter in life, uh, uh, she thought of everybody as being a friend and uh, 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 certainly somebody that uh, uh, she would like to see uh, have a little bit better experience than perhaps that they're having today. And I would invite people over, despite the fact that we'd all have maybe 20, 25 people at the house for, for the holidays, uh, we'd invariably invite others who uh, may not uh, have a place to go. So just the kind of uh, what, I just asked, like, what kind of philosophy did she grow up with that? Um, I mean, so often that's kind of a religious stance, you know, to include people for holidays and let there yeah, be, well, let there be no strays. We were always, uh, we were brought up uh, in, in the Catholic uh, faith. And uh -huh. uh, um, I think she used uh, the example of uh, Jesus as a, how you treat people, you know, uh, uh, feed the, feed the hungry, clothe the naked. And I guess you could sure. say what I'm doing is, let me ask you something. Did she, did she teach all this by example only? Not that that's not good enough. Or did it come with words sometimes? Did she tell you things about people in particular who needed help? And did you have anyone in your family who needed physical help? Uh, I think most of it was through example because um, I was, you know, brought up and I think by the time I came along, uh, my parents were really busy with all the other things in the family and they thought, well, you know, the Are others you, have turned out well. Oh, so you have brothers, sisters? Yeah, I'm number seven of nine children. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so was my mother. So uh, it was mine, actually. <laughs> you know, the, the way I learned was by observing what other people uh -huh. were doing. And You're the youngest? Oh, I like this about this person. I don't like that about that. And so um, my uh, personality is a combination of who of different traits that I uh, 
I really respected in the people that were in the family. So nice that you are aware of that and that you credit her as you do. Tell me, are, are you trained as an engineer for, how do you become an inventor? Let's talk about that. Um, yeah, I'm actually trained as an engineer, but um, when I was growing up, I didn't necessarily have all the toys I wanted. So I would be rummaging around in the basement or in the garage because uh, there were lots of miscellaneous things there. And uh, I was always looking at them as opportunities to combine them in different ways to create something that I would enjoy or that was uh, Do you remember in some way. examples? I mean, there is that kind of, um, I, I don't know what you call it, stereotypical view of the, the kid who loves to take apart the watch to see. What, yeah, I was one of those kids. <laughs> so what did, you, what did you reassemble to make for yourself as a toy? Do you remember? Well, actually, one of the first things I did was when I was three, I found some scrap pieces of wood and I tried to make a bird. <laughs> How'd that work out? Uh, I still have it. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing it didn't fly, but how lovely. No, it didn't fly. And I was a little bit frustrated that I, I couldn't figure out how to how to make it fly. But uh, Were you, did you like model airplanes and that kind of thing? I, I did. I, I made all kinds of things that, uh, uh, um, you know, later on, I, I, when I could buy a model airplane or occasionally I'd get one for a gift and put them together and then I'd uh, recreate battles or you know, uh, imagine uh, all kinds of things. I, I have a question, just curiosity, and I'm already so touched by what your mother accomplished through you. And I realize you're the youngest of seven, but is your mother still with us or is she? Uh, no, I'm actually the seventh of nine, but there was two years. Oh, it gets more complicated. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, my my mother passed away uh, at age 59. Uh, oh my goodness. 30, almost 30 years ago. It'll be 30 years in about two weeks at the end of. That's terrible to have lost her so early. Yeah, glioblastoma. Oh, terrible, terrible thing to. Yeah, I was there the whole time, uh, so there's some valuable learning to go through about how you how you go through something like that and uh, how you how you die with uh, dignity and uh, uh, lots of lessons about what I how I should view life going forward that uh, I have applied ever since. What what kinds of lessons from that? I mean, I I understand what you're talking about because I I was with my parents when they passed away too, but. And there was no, with my parents, I don't know about your, there was like no fear of death. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there was a fear of death. And Isn't that nice? I don't really fear death. I, I, the thing I fear is dying miserably, I guess you would sure. say. So. Sure. Um, In other words, the torture. Nobody yeah, wants to pain the torture. Right. torturous process with some dreaded condition that uh, really, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've seen that too often. We do have yeah. some cancer in the yes. family. So uh, it's something now, was that- this, Was this before, did your mother die before you started this, uh, you know, making these walkers? Oh yeah, this is relatively recent. My mother died 30 years ago, so. Oh, okay. So I didn't know how long you've been, how long have you been doing this? And could you tell us how you eased into this and what you were doing before? Yeah, so I had, for most of my, I started out as a mechanical engineer in uh, my, my degree in college. So I started out as a- Can you just tell us what that means exactly? What is a mechanical engineer and what can you do with that? Well, mechanical engineer designs things that are physical. Like, well, actually, I mean, there's so many kinds of engineers. I'm... Yeah, so uh, 
in, there's different types of mechanical engineers. It also includes thermodynamics, includes uh, designing products. So the physical uh, features of the products and how people interact with it, uh, how- So you, uh, have to have, you have to have some basis in physics also. Yes, yes. Uh -huh. uh, we, we're, we're trained in all the various sciences Okay. Uh, as a uh, prerequisite for getting a degree in mechanical engineer. And okay. So what is, what does a mechanical engineer make? Just give me a couple. Uh, for my sake. An automobile. It's got a lot of mechanical engineering. Whether it's the engine, it's okay. the actual structure of the vehicle. Uh, the goal of a mechanical engineer is to design products that are stable. Like you want a, an airplane. Uh, you don't want yes. to drop out of the air. So you want to be stable in every kind of environment that's designed to handle. Uh, and so well, mechanical engineers find places in all those industries. Yes. What yeah, was your, what was your, your specific as a mechanical engineer? What did you do? Uh, I started out in the electromechanical world of things that plug things together uh, and run on electricity. So I designed uh, interconnects that went into computers uh, and uh, various parts that go into uh, electronic products. And uh, that's where I started when I got out of college. When you, when you read back, you read back, you know, um, and you, you read about some of the greats from you know, Steinmetz, whoever they are, you know, that life was so different then. It is so much more complicated now. It's, it's got to be much harder to be a mechanical engineer you're yeah, talking that, about interconnectivity and computers and... Yes, yeah, so um, there was the heyday of the mechanical engineer back probably the, uh, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, when they're, you know, think of steam engines, think of the early days of the automobile, uh, think of the Wright brothers with airplanes, uh, bicycles, motorcycles, all those things were uh, built and designed by people who had, had skills with uh, mechanical design. And, and probably designed by people who wanted those things. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, mean, I, I remember my, <laughs> they wanted to fly. I, yeah, I, I remember asking my older daughter many, many years ago, you know, how did anybody come up with the, um, I guess, the cell phone or the iPad? She said it was from young people watching Star Trek. Dick Tracy is another one. <laughs> I know, the watch, I remember that. But, you know, watching Star Trek, watching these things, and they wanted one. Exactly. And I like you in the design. basement, you, you make what you want. That's amazingly wonderful. Everybody, you know, if you're going to invent something, you have to first come up with something that you think uh, is desirable. That okay, so can you, can you shift over to your kind of a walker? And I have some questions about that. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, what made you choose that? I was watching a show about vets coming back from war and I spent most of my career in software, ironically. Uh -huh. uh, but uh, uh, they came back with these injuries from IEDs, the improvised explosive devices. Uh, and they had terrible, terrible injuries that uh, the program was watching uh, suggested that uh, because of these, they wouldn't be able to participate in the type of life that most of us take for granted. That uh, unfortunately for them, they've gone and put themselves in harm's way and uh, for our country and uh, got the short end of the stick is the way they describe it. And so your compassion took over. 
Absolutely. And I got really kind of um, angry because uh, the premise of the show is that uh, we're not doing enough. You know, they're going to be, these are 20 something year olds. They're, they're warriors. Sure. They're, sure. They're, they're trying to protect uh, the lifestyle that we have. And uh, they got injured. And the best answer is we can give them is, well, too bad for you. And I just thought that was totally unacceptable. So that is harsh. I, I decided that I would try to do something uh, for them. And the, and the usual, the traditional walker was not of use to them. Well, and that was what puzzled me as an engineer. I said, why are they saying that this isn't possible for these heroes? Why, why can't they participate in life? What's, what's holding them back? And then, uh, so that's how you start as an engineer. You start asking questions. Why is it this way and not another way? Why can't somebody uh, comfortably stand Make, why can't standing be as comfortable as sitting? Mm -hmm. You're not incented to sit all day. Would why you describe describe the device that you have? Yeah, so it's-, it's And how do we use it? it? It actually looks a lot like a, a roller or a walker with, the, with four wheels. Uh -huh. But the difference is uh, I'm trying to uh, allow it to compensate for people's uh, challenges with maintaining balance. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes there's a uh, challenge with comfortably standing. So being able to allow someone to stand comfortably for extended periods of time without worrying about falling. So um, reduce and eliminate uh, the fear and the discomfort for standing and walking for people. And so the other thing is we give people devices that require them to lose the use of their hands. So it seems rather silly to me that in order to walk, you have to give up your arms and your hands uh, by holding on and leaning over. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Right. So if you think about what you need to do, if you've, you know, in life, so much of it is dependent on having your hands available. So much of what's been created around us is designed for standing. So how does this free your hands? Uh, because what, what, what I go back to is the stable system approach. So if you put somebody with a walker and they have to hold on and fold, kind of bend over, right. their center of gravity is no longer centered over their feet. And so that's inherently unstable. So the first thing you want to do as an engineer is create things that are going to be stable, especially if someone has an inherent stability issue with, with standing and walking. So uh, in mechanical engineering, if you want to control something that has mass, you want to understand where its center of gravity is. Sure, yes. And so the center of gravity is in your pelvis. Uh, and if you watch figure skating, the guy is underneath, uh, he's got his hand in the air, and uh, the woman is making all kinds of maneuvers and they're just gracefully sailing around the ice. Uh, I, I tell you that ice skating is a total mystery to me. I tried to learn at some point when I was already very much an adult. I mean, I was in my thirties so slippery yeah and you so know, <laughs> you have someone high up in the air over your head right doing all these fancy maneuvers and they're just using a single hand uh that's pretty amazing and that tells you that that hand is actually directly under the center of gravity that okay part. i guess all that spinning is also a matter of keeping your center of the yes you need the the center of your center of your mass as a body uh, needs to be firmly under your feet. Who's, who is, 
who are the appropriate candidates? I mean, can people who use wheelchairs benefit from what you do? And yes. Um, and how? Well, I mean, if somebody's one, in a wheelchair. Yeah, the, because, the, first, the first thing to understand about this device is it allows people to compensate for a balance issue. And it also helps to reduce the amount of weight on their feet. So that solves the issue of a balance problem and it also can help alleviate pain for people. When they don't have to have as much strength in their legs to hold them up if they're... It, exactly, so uh, it doesn't make your legs move out, for you. What, what, have people come out of wheelchairs to use this? Yes, can yes. Can you um, examples of what kind of conditions yeah. would have you use a wheelchair would also let you come out for your device? That, you know, there, everybody who needs help walking, ultimately the goal is to uh, provide them what they need. So this device provides the essential things that everybody who wants to walk with comfort and stability needs, but it doesn't have everything that everybody would need, of course. So um, the, 90, you know, uh, two thirds of the people with mobility issues, their primary problem is like balance and, uh, or pain reduction. Uh, and so we started with this device to help them. But in the course of uh, developing it, of course, I need to find the, the, the extent that it can be useful. So uh, early on, I was working with people with spinal cord injuries. Oh, I wanted to know about that. Can you, because that's so devastating. Can yes. you talk about how this helps in well, people? Well, the, the, the first person I really worked closely with was a, was a guy named, cowboy named uh, Casey Terribellini. Uh, He's uh, quite a remarkable person. Is this the cowboy? This is the cowboy. I read about him. Okay. Yeah, so uh, he broke his neck winning a uh, horsemanship competition. Oh. And, and uh, he had one ounce of pinch pressure. And that's all you could do. He could just basically pinch a very little bit with his fingers. And he went and from that and then uh, worked really hard with a lot of obvious professional assistance to uh, restore a lot of his capabilities. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, uh, it's, it's really hard, almost impossible to restore someone's natural balance. So he'd gone through about four or five years of rehabilitation wow. and uh, had, had, had rebuilt, had built up his musculature because he was determined to go back on the horse and to race his horse. But he had gone from paralysis to being able uh -huh. He, he uh, found me because somebody had told him I'd developed a device that helps overcome balance and actually puts you in the right posture. Mm -hmm. um, and that uh, with him, working with him, he was able to uh, use the life glider to go back working with horses again. Wow. And, uh, restore what he passionately loved probably more than anything else in his life. And so the goal is to restore people's ability to, to dream again. And the, the, the fortunate part for him is he had got at the end of his rehabilitation process that uh, he went through and there was something that he could use at the end of that process. I've, I've, tried, I've worked with people who had gone through that process, but it was 15 years ago. And so they get to a point in time where um, the medical establishment has done basically what they can for them. And then what I've observed is a lot of them get discouraged. It's like, well, I'm still gonna 
I'm not going to be able to balance myself. I, I can't really stand. Well, do you, do you work with physical therapists and physicians and care people, or do people buy the device from you and then take it into the hands of their physical yeah, therapist? It's, and... it's, it's typically that, but we're, you know, this year has been particularly difficult because of the uh, pandemic, but, uh, um, you know, our, my approach is to, to work directly with, with people and uh -huh. have them introduce it to their, their therapists. So, um, that's pretty remarkable, um, the stories that, that have, have happened. It's a couple of, just like a couple of short stories. And the yeah, reason I'm um, asking is, you know, my life has been really blessed with some lovely acquaintances, many of whom do use wheelchairs. And I'm just wondering, you know, maybe everybody should know about what you have to offer. Yeah, we, we've got people who have been in uh, wheelchairs with MS that are now walking again. And so it's not... Wow. Out of the, it's definitely not out of the question. It, it's, you know, again, we, the device doesn't move your legs for you. In the future, there'll be augmentations that like functional electrical stimulation. But somebody, somebody with one leg amputated would be able to. Sure. Yeah. Um, and actually, um, some of the original uh, intended focus for the device was for the, the veterans who had amputations because. They, they needed not only the balance support, but they needed some weight reduction because sure. standing on your prosthetic leg for a long period of time is very painful. And so, oh, the so they use to, it with, what, with a prosthetic, well, then you could use it with two prosthetic legs, I guess. Yes, you can. Uh -huh. And, you know, every case is a little bit different, but the goal is ultimately to expand the, the, the numbers of people that through this device with other things will we want to get everybody back on their feet. What was the most, well, I guess the cowboy was very dramatic, but what were some of the most, give us a couple of examples of people who had really given up or didn't see a way clear to be able to be independent again and now are. Well, uh, a good example is uh, Josie Ingber, who uh, has MS and uh, um, she was starting to fall. She didn't want to get in the wheelchair. A friend of my wife's, uh, introduced us and uh, uh, when I met her, I worked with her a bit and got her on her feet. It takes a little bit of an adjustment to, to, to use this just like any other kind of device. Um, and uh, It might take some doing for a person to trust it enough to just. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, uh, what, am I, what would you think if you'd never grown up with the bicycle? And suddenly the bicycle was presented to you. You'd look at this thing as like, well, this is kind of crazy. How can you actually use this? And why would I want to do this? Uh, so we're at the early stage of making it visible the fact that uh, there's another approach to help restore people back to uh, a vibrant life. And so Jude, uh, uh, Josie, um, she got the first life glider, <laughs> what I consider the first production version of the life glider. And uh, after a couple months of using it, uh, I met her again. I didn't recognize her. Really? She had changed as, from somebody completely different. Her, she was so vibrant and vivacious and full of life and so energetic and so interested in doing stuff. When I first met her, she was, um, in, she, didn't, she didn't come across that way. She seemed like uh, rather reserved and 
um, not really looking forward to the future. It's, I guess it's, that you, you could feel resigned to whatever has. Yes. And so you, yeah. example with Josie and with Casey is intervening at the right time at a time where they don't want to accept what's happened to them and whether they're eager to try to find a way to uh, bring back the things that they want in their life and uh, be able to dream again. And uh, there's so many people I'm very sad to say that I've met that decided to re resign to the wheelchair uh, until life seated um, because they didn't have any hope. And uh, at some point, if you don't maintain your musculature, um, even though you can get up and use this device with some assistance, um, having started earlier before you kind of uh, lost that musculature makes such a, a huge difference in uh, how well it can support you uh, in your future. And Does the medical community know to come to you? And would you please say slowly the name of your device? It's called the Life Glider. Life Glider? Um, Life Glider. Life Glider, that's right. I remember. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm a very visual person. So for me, it's all about imagery. And the Life Glider was about, uh, it was generated because I had, a, I had a vision for how people ought to be living, uh, even despite their um, challenges with standing and walking. And when I was developing it, it was all about having people actually witness people experiencing what I saw in my uh, my visions about that. And so I knew I was getting close when people were showing delight and uh, feeling good on their feet again. Uh, so Life Glider is about restoring people to life. And Yeah, I can see that in the name that um, you say it. And the gliding part is compared to how they've been experiencing uh, mobility before. I want it to feel like they're gliding. It's oh, sure. I mean, it, it, sailing. it implies more ease. Yes. Yes. Let me yes. ask you something, because I am about love letters. And I always ask at about this point, if you were to write a love letter right now, based on all you've said and all you've accomplished and all you've learned, who would it be to? You know, uh, well, I want to write. I want to write one to your mother. But go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, there's so many people because this is uh, this is a project and uh, a passion of mine. It's uh, it originated with my mother. It right. uh, uh, was in. Uh, it's inspired by my father's uh, resentment that I he said I was wasting my time on oh my goodness. work that wasn't really wasn't useful in his mind. I was wasting my talents, so I could I could look at him. Uh, but really, to me, it's about, um, it, it all comes back to the vets, the origination story of this. Uh, uh, this is uh, a true appreciation, and the goal is to truly appreciate those from the earliest days of this, even before the country was founded, that took it upon themselves to fight um, to give us what we have today. Sure. Uh, my, my father's a World War II vet. Uh, my mother's older brothers were all World War II vets. Uh, my another uncle was in the Korean War. Uh, we I've got cousins that were in the Vietnam War. Are there lots of children in your life? 
Uh, not, not, not in my life, but my, 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 my wife and I uh, don't have children. But, but you've uh, got nieces and nephews. I'm I've getting. got lots of nieces and uh-huh. nephews. My, uh, I think I was number 70 or 70-something grandchildren for my no. mother's mother. The reason I'm asking is because I'm always really touched by the very concept of writing, say, a letter, a love letter of gratitude to your mother. Yeah. And, and then sending it to nieces and nephews and letting it stay, you know, in the drawer and they stick it in the box. It'll be found. I, I think that's a, that's a wonderful idea because a love letter expresses uh, so much about what was imparted to me and how much I really miss her even today. Sure. Um, my wife, my wife uh, says, how could you miss somebody you never met? And that's what she says about my mother. She totally misses my mother because- Oh, she does. Huh? I can, and, I can uh, understand that. But she did have a, uh, a dream about my mother and they were laughing and having a great time. And the dream was actually during the day when she was working and she snapped out of it and like, that really happened. It actually, it actually happened. That's how they come visit her. Yeah. And it was pretty remarkable. She says, you know, now, now I, uh, I know who your mother really is. Oh, so she could write <laughs> one to your mother. It's just, you know, it's, it's so wonderful to have two generations down the line or even one generation find a letter like this, know who you are, what you did, how, why you did it. And, and know that they came from a legacy of compassion and love. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's a great idea. And, uh, I hope you do it. I, I think I'm inspired now. <laughs> yes, because uh, we need the role models in this world. We've, yes. we've got all kinds of role models. Uh, and, you know, I hope people choose wisely the one that they decide to. Uh, oh, we've got them for negative and positive, of course. Yeah. Oh, I want to thank you for doing this with me. I've learned a lot. And I'm going to I'm going to pass the word around about what you do. Thank you. And send them to our website, uh, mylifeglider.com. Okay. We got wonderful stories that uh, we didn't barely get to touch on. That's how I learned about the cowboy. Yeah, these stories are just fantastic about people uh, and how, you know, they've they've got some of, you know, so much of their life that they dream of having back again. Yeah. So you've kind of stepped in where you can have hope meet reality. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, to me, this is uh, uh, kind of an art. <laughs> For sure. art, art is about uh, having people experience things uh, because you created something. And for me, this is living, this is an art about how people can potentially live because I've created this device in my my goal is to have people have these wonderful experiences they think currently are out of, out of reach to them today. You're still- a remarkably kind man. And how nice that that got meshed with um, intelligence and talent. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. You're, you're so welcome. Thank you, Janet. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. And I hope we can Me keep too. it up. I, I um, hope our paths may cross again at some other time. And we'll be in touch in life. Great. And- so- for now, I'm just going to say to everybody goodbye. Bye. And Thanks I will so talk much. to you later. We can't, you know, we could, ugh, we can't shake hands or hug, but I'm giving you both. Yeah. So, okay. so thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, dear. Bye. Bye.